people deluded i'm back again i hope you're all doing well and safe on this friday morning good morning hope you're all doing well and safe as i said and without further ado welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast the people's podcast now i hope you're all doing well and safe and it's friday people so i need to see some energy energy people you don't need to be awake man i've got a spring in my step definitely because you know i'm sure you also are we'll get into it of course but i'm sure you also arsenal versus benfica people i can't lie at a point you see when rafa scored after sabayos made that mistake i was like yeah cool we're out i could see arsenal fans going viral on twitter you can imagine the headlines i was thinking the worst people so i was ready to be here this morning vex and you know, it's, we, we won, isn't it? It's as simple as that. Arsenal have been catching L's all season, people. So it's nice to actually go a day without catching one and surviving sort of thing, people. You get what I'm saying? We're surviving. We're doing what we need to do. It's been an interesting... Pardon me. It's been an interesting week, not just in the Europa League, but in the Champions League. I think there's been... Every game's kind of been interesting. Some more entertaining than others, you could say. But it is what it is, people, in that regards. Now, and I've, I think there's been a Premier League game as well. And obviously, throughout the course of this, we're going to talk about the Champions League, the Europa League, the Premier League, and I've got some other talking points. So let's kick off with the second best European competition around nowadays, people. The Champions League, Arsenal aren't in it, I'm always going to be sour people. Let's kick off with the Champions League and the first game, the game that I actually did a live watch along over on my YouTube channel over. Atletico Madrid nil, Chelsea won. Advantage Chelsea. Now Chelsea going to the home, t- I say advantage, you know, Atletico score within the first 10 minutes. 10 minutes away from home at Stamford Bridge, obviously not at Stamford Bridge, but you get the point, yeah, away, at, away at Chelsea's ground, and this is all complicated, you know, from what I saw in that game, I did think there'd be more goals in the game, because I, I, don't, I do think, although when you think of Simeone and Atletico Madrid, you think of, you know, defensive system, not giving much away, you know, and they've got 11 clean sheets, I believe, this season, but in their last 11 games, prior to obviously playing Chelsea, they conceded nine Obviously, Chelsea are scoring a lot of goals um, and Chelsea are improving defensively under Tuchel, but there's still nervy moments like in this game, even with Rudiger. Um, I did think there'd be more goals in this, but saying that, it's what expected. To a degree, both teams cancelled each other out. It was a game of chess. You know, Tuchel had his game of his way of playing. Simeone's obviously for a while had his way of playing. They simply count you know, counteracted. I think the difference is Atletico, I was very dis- regardless of what you say about being defensive or not, Regardless of how a manager wants his team to play, you still have to put the ball in the back of the net more times than your opponent if you want to win the league, win win a game or the league or whatever. There's no way around it. No way around it. And I was shocked how toothless Atletico was. Like, you know, João Felix did little bits and pieces in 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 isolation and in areas that weren't really gonna gonna harm Chelsea. And one has to wonder, can João Felix reach his full potential in a defensive system under a defensive coach like Simeone? One has to wonder why he actually made that move. Uh, you know, Suarez, the most exciting thing Suarez did is get into unnecessary handbags with Rudiger. They had nothing about them. They were toothless. And you have to give credit to Chelsea, but I just think, you know, for, for, for not making them do anything, but I just feel they were toothless. Like there was nothing in that in them in that regards people um for Chelsea I think Mount played all right you know speaking on the first half it just became clear like I'd say Chelsea are missing that you know that midfielder like Cesc Fabregas or or someone like that who can consistently play that difficult pass um I did think 
Callum Hudson Odoi is in a load of space, and only a couple of players, Kovacic and Mount, off the top of my head, are actively trying to find him on that right hand side, down their left. He's getting in behind, but it's too far and beyond. Um, Kovacic, Jorginho, Mount, you know, you could see they were up for it, but it just needed, it, for me, it just looked like the, the team just needed a tiny bit more of quality in the final third, that little bit of inspiration, to be honest with you. But even then, Chelsea didn't really fashion that many chances and stuff. It, it, it wasn't the most exciting game, but I found it a very entertaining game to watch people. Obviously, Mendy had a, had a, had a heart and mouth moment as well, but Chelsea did the job, man. Olivier Giroud, you know, there's always some rewritten of history whenever he scores you know and I think he continues to keep showing he ages like fine wine you know at 34 years of age and 146 days people he's the oldest player to score in the knockout stages of the competition UEFA Champions League for Chelsea and he's actually the oldest to do so for an English side since I give you a lot of clue who could it be who could it be I know you listen when I I know some of you have got the answer I know some of you are going to be like oh crap how can I forget that you know I'll give you a clue. Against Schalke, 2011, Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs was 37 then, people. So, yeah, man, Giroud's doing his thing. He got a start and he scored. When you look at it, Giroud has scored 15 goals in 16 starts for Chelsea across the Champions League and Europa League. Tying in with that, Giroud, in relation to his Champions League appearances, has scored six goals in his last four people. That's as many as he had in his previous 16. Um, and his six goals in the competition this season is, is his best to date. So going into the Euros, he's in fine form. You know, and that's a vital away goal for Chelsea. Obviously, right now it's basically 2-0 advantage Chelsea because, you know, they're going to have to turn around. You know, Atletico are going to have to grab two goals. But if Atletico get one, on paper, it goes to extra time. So it's much like Arsenal versus Benfica in the sense of, I would be confident if I was Chelsea. You got your away goal. Atletico kind of, from the get-go, have to be a bit more expensive. You can potentially exploit them on the transition. If I'm Atletico, really and truly, I'd believe I could score. You know, you've got Jao Felix. You've got, a, um, you know, Luis Suarez in form. And to be honest with you, you know, you didn't... You didn't have anything. You didn't do anything. You know, if you have more, if you ask more questions, Chelsea will concede, in my opinion. Looking at it, though, speaking of conceding, when you look at it, Thomas Tuchel has, has pardon me, only conceded just two goals in eight games as Chelsea gaffer people. In the club's history, the only coach to, to concede fewer goals after eight games in charge is Jose Mourinho, who had one. So, again, you know. It's a good start to life at, at Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel. Um, Kep, um, sorry, not Kepa. Kepa is probably going to have to sit on the bench because you look at Mendy. Mendy has kept more clean sheets than any other goalkeeper in the Champions League this season with five. Thomas Tuchel has become the third Chelsea manager to win his first UEFA Champions League game in charge when the game took, pl past, took place Sorry, it's early in a knockout stage of the competition. He follows on with Goose Hiddink and, you know, Goose Hiddink. There's three people. Thomas Tuchel, Goose Hiddink. There's one more name, people. You know me. I like a little quiz. You know, you got it wrong with the Ryan Giggs. You know, I know not, not a lot of you said that one. Who is it, people? Who is it? He won the Champions League for Chelsea. There's only one. That's a crap clue because you can only say one answer. But it's Roberto Di Matteo, um, as you lot remember. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea did the business, obviously. And for me as well, you know, it's a big week for Chelsea. And it's a, like the parallels. Obviously, they're not where Arsenal are. But the parallels are the same in that if I'm Thomas Tuchel, I'm sitting there and saying, listen, you lot have a big week. Regardless of what you say, United are ahead of us in the table. We've got them. You can only play what's in front of you. You need to show the fans that you're ready to, to do something. And remember what I said a few podcasts ago that he took over at the halfway point where there's still a lot to be playing for. So I do think they're galvanising. To be honest with you, 
I, I, Arsenal as well, but Arsenal and Chelsea, they're kind of celebrating like they've won a trophy in, in, in relation to, to, to the ties as well, people. Considering it's only the halfway tie, I couldn't understand it from Chelsea. But, um, yeah, people, it's like... It, there's there's a there's building blocks at Chelsea really and there's there's real galvanization you know they've beat Atletico and then they got into the game on the weekend with a bit of confidence again that game goes either way against United. Pardon me, I know United are ahead of him in the table. I just I think Chelsea can beat them purely because I think Tuchel will win the tactical battle. But you know some of these bits of play that Chelsea bits and pieces Chelsea have given away to other teams. I do think Man United will exploit that, but it's all about taking confidence. So. A big European night to win 1-0. You take a bit of confidence going into the Sunday game. I guess we'll speak about that game on the Monday or Tuesday edition of this podcast, people. Moving away from that, though, and I'm sure you all saw another game that interested me. Atlanta were defeated a goal to nil against Real Madrid. Now, for me, Atlanta can leave with their head held high. I think they were the best team. I think they controlled the game. I think they were the better team. I think considering considering that it was a harsh red card. I did think it was a red card first time round, but the VAR and showing things time and time again, it didn't look like he's actually the last man. So I do think Gasparini and Atlanta were done dirty. You know, you don't get points. You don't advance to the next round. You don't. History doesn't remember who played well. History remembers who won the game. I think Atlanta did everything but win the game. And even if if they... You can't do ifs and buts, but 11 men, I backed them. Because I think they controlled the game. They showed some lovely passes. They still trusted each other in possession. Listen, if you've been watching Atlanta for the last couple of years, you know they're one of the best sides. You know, one of the top best sides in terms of playing football in, in, in Europe. And I think they gave Real Madrid a lesson. People can talk about signings and all of these sort of things. I don't know... You know, Atlanta do obviously sign players, but none of their players are name brand household names like that. I'm pretty sure Gasparini and Atlanta have had to work with them and train them. So how much, how far does that go? Um, you know, and again, you don't get any points, but considering, you know, and again, it is it's harsh, but considering you need, you know, Real Madrid could only strike four minutes from time. To get, to get the winner, and it's their left-back as well, which speaks volumes as to how poor their attackers were. And for me personally, people, this is the poorest Real Madrid collective bunch of players I've seen. It's like, when I was watching the game, and like I said, it's all Atlanta. I've got more Atlanta points, but watching the game, it's like there's no talisman. I know Hazard's injured, and I know Benzema's injured. I know they've had bare injuries, but it just looks dead. Like, Modric, Modric's a baller. He played some good passes, but by his own standards, he was sloppy. The game passed Crows by, by his own standards. You know, Isco looked lost in that false nine row, in my opinion. Yeah, a couple of tricks, but ultimately, where does that go? Mendy was good. Um, Vecinius Jr., I can't lie. I don't really rate him, people. I can't even lie. In my opinion, don't matter. I want to be wrong, but from what I've seen, I don't really rate him, you know. I mean, he's 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 not looking like he's gonna follow. He's not even gonna do what Neymar did in Spain, you know. He'd be lucky to have a career like Robinho at Real Madrid because I don't see it. I know he's a talented player, but I just think he's he makes some brainless decisions. Um, you know, they took four minutes four minutes from time and their left back to break down Atlanta. So I would take pride from that going into the second leg. I feel they were done completely dirty with that red card again. Watching it around, but it is what it is, man. This it's only half time in the fixture. I'm sure Atlanta will have more to say. Now, again, you know, I think Atlanta versus uh, Atlanta versus Real Madrid was arguably close. Chelsea versus, you know, Atletico, there weren't much in it. The first bit of quality was obviously a lovely goal from Olivier Giroud. Um, first bit of quality I felt in the final third from Chelsea. Uh, VAR tried to do them dirty. So them games there will have plenty of talking points. 
Lazio versus Bayern Munich. I did feel Milinkovic Savic should have had a penalty in that game. I've seen them giving in Europe. I've seen them giving in our domestic league and other leagues for less. It does feel like there's been a bit of a big club bias when I look at the red card in the Real Madrid Atlanta game. At Lazio not getting the penalty. I say that they were never going to be in it, people. Realistically, you know, <laughs> Bayern Munich scored four goals. They've done the job, you know. Lewandowski pouncing on silly back passes, you know. Coleman and, and Sane. I think their decision making. If I was Real Madrid, I mean, if I was Bayern Munich, I'd want them to play a bit better. But they wreaked havoc, you know. Bayern Munich did the job really and truly. They've given themselves a great platform. Shout out to Jamal Musiala. Obviously, it's been a big week for him. You know, he's the second. He scored in the game. If you don't. No, he's the second youngest player to score in the knockout stages of the UEFA Champions League after Bojan did at 17 years of age and 217 days. Um, he obviously when Bojan netted against Schalke in 2007-2008. Jamal Musiala as well, people, has become the youngest ever Englishman to score in the Champions League, people. Um, make of that what you will. But yeah, like I said, people, they were never much in doubt. To be honest with you, they killed the game at halftime. You know, they killed the, they killed the game by, by halftime. Obviously, you know, Sane, Musiala and, and Lewandowski, like I've spoken about, scored within the first half. You know, there was a bit of a consolation from Lazio. Carrera struck in the second half as, um, as well. Um, but by then, it was already done really and, tru really and truly with Bayern Munich obviously getting an own goal in the end. So at least you messed up Bayern Munich's clean sheet. I did feel the ref didn't help them, but, you know, sometimes you've got to focus. Pardon me. You make some of the mistakes you make against Bayern Munich and they're going to punish you. And, you know, Lazio conceded four plus goals in a home European game for only the third time ever, people. This happened against Chelsea in 2003 and in 1974 in the UEFA Cup against Barcelona. Bayern Munich are now unbeaten in their last 18 Champions League games, winning 17 and drawing one people. That's the fourth, lo the fourth longest such run in the competition's history and the longest since Man United in 2009, May 2009, um, went 25. Lewandowski obviously netted his 72nd Champions League goal in his 95th appearance, people. He moves past Raul with 71 to become the outright third top goalscorer in the competition, people, in the history of the competition. He's only second to two names. Cristiano Ronaldo with 134 and Messi with 119. Not bad, and it fucking hell, man. It shows how crazy Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi are. And to be fair with you, I think they've got to change that. I'd say, Rob, you know, I wouldn't even say Lewandowski's third. I'd say he's first, you know, because out of the humans, he's first. You know, you got. I think you genuinely got to stop counting Messi and Ronaldo in this statistics thing now because it's gone a bit mad. So for me, Lewandowski is first. Raul is second out of the humans. Great record for Lewandowski, and even he's aging like fine wine. You know, he's oh, he's getting on a bit, and he's showing no signs of slowing down. So yeah, man, Bayern Munich did what they wanted to do. I don't know who looks to be the most convincing side in the chat. Champions League people because you know I'm more impressed with Atlanta over Real Madrid but you see when Real Mad when teams like Real Madrid are doing that poor and they're still getting over the line I'm always weary because them sort of teams there they find themselves in the final obviously if I was a betting man Bayern Munich are handling their business you know PSG there's something about PSG I don't know if it's Pochettino if it's Neymar if it's Mbappe but there's something there you know you can't rule out any of these teams in this competition realistically that are still in it you know even Dortmund I'm sure many people would love to see Haaland procure to the final my word I should not be doing podcasts at quarter to six in the morning people I'm shattered I can't lie man but we move we move so yeah the Champions League was a decent week sort of thing man the only game I think was dead 
they weren't really a dead game really and truly they were all interested in their own way if I if I stop the agendas obviously Manchester City it's all going well for them people Manchester City 2 Borussia Borussia much and Gladbach nil you know I think Sterling should have had a penalty or at least sorry not a penalty should have at least had a corner in that game um you know, Cancelo really rewriting his history in relation to Manchester City and, and changing around his career. You know, lovely assist for before Bernardo Silva. You know, the two Portuguese teammates linked up. It was absolute amazing, people. Yeah, like I said, Sterling's one looked like a pen. It weren't a corner. It did look like a pen. Cancelo, you know, lovely pass. You know, it's business as usual for Man City. 2-0. They did their job, people. Good platform and they're blitzing every side they've got to play. You know, the build-up between Cancelo, Bernardo and I think it eventually ended up with Gab Hezes putting the ball in the back of the net. It's business as usual. Two goals, clean sheet, business as usual. I think that's their 19th win in all competitions in a row. They've kept 24 clean sheets in all competitions this season, which is one more than they kept of all last year. So it shows that City have worked on how to improve defensively and reaping the rewards. Gab Jesus has scored in all five of his Champions League appearances in the last 16 people. Manchester City, sorry, are also the first team to keep a clean sheet in their first four away Champions League matches in a campaign since Manchester United did so in 2010-2011. Now, every statistic in relation to Champions League, I found myself saying Man United, Man United, shout out to them in that regard. So, yeah, man, obviously the Champions League returns next week and we have the return fixtures of Juventus versus Porto. Now, that was a game I live streamed then. That game was boring, people. Apart from Porto doing their little drill, Juventus were poor. I look at Perlo, I look at Zidane. Ironically, people are saying Zidane might go Juventus, but these world-class players are looking dodgy as managers. And I say that with respect to Zidane because you look at his trophies. He's won La Liga, he's won a couple of Champions Leagues. Um, Perlo's probably going to win the league by a league title if he's still there by default. But... You lose to Porto, then you probably lose your job. Sarri and Allegri have been sacked for way less. And I know it's Perlo and there's a there's a bit of history there with Juventus. But again, you have to separate the player and the manager. It's a bit like if Henri was going to be the manager of Arsenal. I'm sure Chelsea fans with Lampard and I'm sure Madrid, Madrid fans have been down this road with Zidane. Um, and whatnot. So yeah, next week, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably... Oh, I might do two watch-alongs still. I might do on Tuesday. I might do Dortmund. Um... On Wednesday, I might do um, PSG versus Barca. But anyways, people, if you look at it, um, on the Tuesday, you've got Juventus versus Porto. You've got Dortmund versus Seville. PSG versus Barcelona on Wednesday. Um, obviously, PSG are winning 4-1. Um, Dortmund have a slender 3-2 lead. And obviously, Seville are the away game. So you've got to be careful. Juventus are winning 2-1 and obviously have away goals. But Porto is the away game in that. Leipzig, you know, they made two stupid mistakes with Opomakano and Sabitza. Opomakano apparently is a Bayern Munich player in all but name. If it hasn't been officially announced, Sabitza is a player that I and a lot of people, mainly Spurs and Arsenal fans and anyone watching Bundesliga, you will want to sign for your club. He's very versatile. He's underrated. He can hit. He's got a good shot on him. Um, but in that game, if you was watching it isolated to that game, you'd say De deluded. You're really being deluded because they messed it up. But Liverpool have a two-goal lead. And the only solace you could give um, Leipzig is Liverpool are shipping goals. Liverpool look shaky. Like I said, you know, for me, I back Atlanta to get it done, people, in the return fixtures, you know, Real Madrid versus Atlanta. Again, two weeks is a long time, but you'd have Real Madrid versus Atlanta, Man City versus Gladbach, Bayern Munich against Lazio and Chelsea will welcome 
Atletico to quote unquote the bridge, the bridge that isn't in England. So yeah, if that makes sense. Now, if we move away from that, people, and we get into Europa League, the proper European football business, people, it was a crazy one, you know. Rangers, I watch the highlights every time I look at Rangers. It's a mad game, you know. It was, a, it's been a mad game for Rangers across both legs. Um, there was a hundred and two goals scored in total in the last thirty-two of this season's UEFA Europa League, people. That's the most in a single knockout round since the competition's rebrand. Branding, which happened in 09-010 people the record prior to that was 95 goals which was last season so it's a bit of a madness let's start with my team arsenal people let's start with my team now if you watched my watch along, you saw the emotional roller coaster is on. I went from dissing my players loving my players you can imagine people you know and i think Dependent in true Arsenal fan fashion, depending on who you speak on, there's going to be fans that concentrate on the fact that we were poor and we got kind of lucky, or it, you know, great character, great heroics, all of this sort of thing. Me, I'm in the middle, I believe both sides of that. You know, let's be honest, you know, it is character to get behind, whatever way you say it's a knockout competition. Our season's on the line, there's big question marks if Arteta and these players go out. They, you know, they found two goals. They needed to score twice. They found two goals. I give them credit for that. I give individuals credit. You know, Tierney wasn't having the best of games, stood up to be counted. Saka, you know, Tierney and Saka on their worst days are still our best players. You know, it's it's disgusting for the club, not Saka, that we have to overplay and over-rely on Saka. He's a terrific player with terrific potential and playing terrifically. I can't sing Bukayo pra Saka's praises enough as a fan. I love him. But it's disgraceful because, again, it's the same old individuals for me turning up. Abamian, more so historically at this club, but he's back among the guys turning up. You know, if it's not Tini, Abamian, historically, Saka, Abamian, Tini, and these sort of guys, even party off the bench, look better than our midfielders. This is the problem. So, again, I do think we got lucky. I do think tactically we got it wrong. You know, I did think in the first leg, Smith, Rowe, and Odegaard didn't have a problem with it. In this game, based on what we saw against Benfica in the first leg, they're playing a back three. We need people who can stretch them. So, I would have liked to have seen a Pepe or a Bamian shifted out wide to do that, to accommodate Lacazette, who ain't been involved. Martinelli, who's not been really involved. So, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, he got away with it. I wouldn't have started Odegaard personally, and I think Odegaard was woeful in the first half he's another one which stood up to be counted very impressed can't sing his praises enough stood up to be counted in the second half but you know i think he forced it with smith rowe and odegaard you know they both of their game plan is to be narrow and i don't think we stretched we stretched benfica enough cedric should have started you know cedric isn't perfect but i think cedric's been playing better than bellerin and it's another game where bellerin's been below par you know Again, the substitutions at the time, they were a bit bewildering, you know, shout out to William, we're always getting on to William, but William came on within, what, five touches, he's got an assist, he's only been on the pitch for three or so minutes, so he was positive, that's what I want to see from my subs, but at the time, I'm questioning that, you know, Lacazette coming on when it's very late, not even starting, there was a lot of question marks with Arteta, end of the day, he got the job done, but I do think it glosses over a poor start, you know, we took the lead and then bottled it, so again, inability to manage a game, yes, we were hard done by you know but it's again it's a gate it's a goal the first goal we've conceded it made basically a couple of moments before half time these are things where it's happened to us in the Europa League it's also happened to us domestically also in the Europa League we've made it hard hard for ourselves people because for me 
I'd, if I'm all the teams in the Europa League, I'd fancy Arsenal, you know. Look, Benfica should think Arsenal are overrated. They gave a good account of themselves, really and truly. You know, we've handed them several cheap goals. The only goal that I think is unavoidable, in my opinion, is that free kick that they scored. What a free kick that was. But even that, I don't think it's a foul. The ref shouldn't have blown. But Sabios has made the foul. So I guess Sabios has had to hold his hands up. But let's be real. We're defending at that stage. So we're reacting. So somebody along that field has either played a poor pass, lost the ball, and we've been poor on the track transition leading to that point you know we handed them both their goals again the man in question Sabayos too easy on the counter for them to counter attack us and again Leicester do that in their sleep every every day you can't do Leicester would have scored time ago you know Leicester will score three or four of those obviously it's poor from Sabayos you know in in immaturity you know lack of street smartness you're you're heading a tame back head backwards header and you're not looking at what you're doing Rafa you, Rafa does what you're told in Sunday League just continue running if Rafa stops Sabayos might get away with it but he doesn't and at that moment I think we're going out people you know I think Benfica at that, I think they started the second half very well um, as well I was a bit disappointed in the lack of proactiveness from Mikel Arteta because obviously he looks like a genius at the end I'm not saying he isn't um, but I, at the time when the game was going against us and Benfica grew into it and they looked like yo Arsenal here for the taking we can score a couple more they made three instant subs and i didn't really see that with arteta and i just feel i feel arteta can coach he can plan he can have tactics but i feel it's like a boxing match i feel if he was the trainer before the boxing match he can give all he can give a right game plan but when it comes into the boxing match now and he sees his boxer get punched in the face or you know he's not protecting his left or there's something that we didn't account for I think he kind of struggles and I've seen that against Brendan Rodgers at the Emirates because if you remember I'm only mentioning that because we've got them on the weekend if you remember we were all over Leicester they tweaked a couple things and you could see the tide changing and we didn't react I think he struggled against the Wolves gaffer against the Villa gaffer and you know against Jesus who's been around the block you know I think he did struggle in that regard and I think Ben we're just lucky Ben Fika had mistakes in them you know for me it is what it is it looks heroic but I just see this as yes it's good but we made it 10 times harder than it needs to be you know for me you're not going to get the rub of the green in, in like, like that all the time so you need to do much better of course I'm happy for a Bamian because you know he, he missed a chance you know he missed a chance he spoke about actually having a game against Dortmund where in the pre-build-up, where in the first leg of that game, when he's playing for Dortmund, he missed a penalty and missed bare chances, and he scored two free goals in the last one, the second leg. So history kind of repeated itself. I'm happy for Aubameyang because he missed a chance against Benfica. There has to still be a search party um, in and around Islington to try to find Aubameyang based on the City game because he, I don't know where he was. Um, and if we'd lost this, and if he was anonymous, you would say, oh, he's not our captain, he's this, that, and the other. Now, I feel Tierney's mentality is different. Even shout out to Tierney for scoring. Um, but Kyle Saka's amazing as well. I have to plug him. Um, but, you know, I think our captain stood up to be counted, really. He got two goals. He never kept, kept stopped believing. You could see him Ging up the players. And, yeah, man, I just feel it's the same old, same old. I think it was a weird game because I feel players that started off the game well deteriorated players that started off slowly grew into it i think odegaard grew into the game like i said weren't in it in the first half um, i feel prior to he gave away that free kick Sabios was actually looking wavy and kind of looking like he's going to continue and pick up where he left off of his last two games but it wasn't to be people and he's made those two mistakes and i said it listen it never happened but i'll say it again you know 
if those mistakes pr pro proved fatally and we didn't get something from this game, people, by all means, question Mark Ceballos, ask him why he's done that, you know, sit there at length and speak about it. But I wouldn't blame him, people. And what I mean by blame is, of like, again, for those who can't hear, acknowledge the role that that played. But it doesn't matter because, again, we wouldn't have done everything we needed to do to score goals. It's a bit, it just happens a lot of the time, people, you know, and for me, over those two legs, it's nice that we've got it. We got it over and done with against Benfica, but we've handed them across the across the two legs. You know, apart from the free kick, that every goal's avoidable. People, you know, we've handed them cheap goals. We've made it harder than it needs to be, and it's and, and it's it's quite it's quite poor in that regards. Really, really and truly, you know, it is quite it is quite poor. Um, and when you and when you look at it, you know, Arsenal are falling behind in four of our eight Europa League games this season, but we've come back to win three and draw one. So the comeback's there. There's a bit of fight and spirit, but if you're always having to come back, you're not implementing games well. So we'll have to see. You know, to end the game with ten shots, five on target is much better. But again, we need to learn to stop playing well for twenty minutes in the last twenty or the first twenty or this little five minute passage and be consistently good for the ninety. You know, it is what it is in that regards, people. You know, Kieran Tierney propaganda. He's the first Scottish player to score for Arsenal in an in a major European competition since Willie Young did such against um, IFK Gothenburg, a Swedish team, in March 1980 in the Cup Winners' Cup quarterfinal. So in my lifetime, Kieran Tierney is the first Scottish player I've seen score for Arsenal in such under such circumstances since the start of last season people no players provided more assists in the UEFA Europa League than Bakayo Saka with eight since the start of last season Bakayo Saka has provided more assists in all competitions than any other Arsenal player with 17 um, when you look at Bakayo Saka's game by numbers he has to go to the Euros even on his worst day I don't even think listen it's not that Saka played didn't play well but he's part of a performance where we slugged it out and for the last couple games even against City it's not that Saka's amazing but even even against Benfica when Saka has a drop off he's head and shoulders above bare man and I always, that's how I judge players on your worst of days when things aren't going well can you do something so for to see Saka get two assists to see Tierney who looked he was given a tough time defensively stand up to be counted Aubameyang stand up to be counted Partey off the bench simply just passing a ball forward this is mentality but for me I can't talk about the same seven man at max so this is the problem Arsenal have you know I let, shout out to Leno as well not that Leno did anything amazing it's just I don't. I feel Leno's hard done by. I don't think the second goal's his fault. You know, people are doing stupid things, and the first goal's a wonderful free kick. I'm sure every goalkeeping coach might sit there and like they always do and say Leno could have done better. That Benfica Donny clearly practices free kicks every week and every day, so he's he prepared for that moment. It's a wonderful goal. You can only take your hats off to that people. And I've also, you know, to be fair with you, I was question marking a lot of Arteta's decisions. Um, William looked good off the bench, really and truly. I'll say, I'll say, what? Listen, why ain't the other guys on? Because at that point, we're chasing the game. We ain't turned it around. We're chasing it. And arguably, you know, Arteta looks like a genius now. Previously, he looked silly. He's brought on our least productive winger. But shout out to William. He got an assist. That was just his fifth touch after coming off the bench. And I'm not gonna lie. I do hope it gives a bit of confidence to William because whether I rate a player or not, I want them to be confident and and. You know, just confident in their abilities. When you look at the numbers in terms of Bakayo Saka's game, you know, he won 100% of his aerials. He had 57 touches. His passing accuracy was at 92%. Two lovely assists. Two chances created. He had two shots himself. Um, you know, he had five touches in the opposition's box. So, again, it's about being clinical. And what I like as well, there was a lack of movement. There was... 
there was a lack of movement in the team, but the small individuals that were making runs, Odegaard, Aubameyang, people are not hitting them. Saka has two assists because he's had the, he's looked up, has the ability, but crucially, he has the balls to just play the pass. Too many people see it, look up and... You know how you play Sunday League and someone can see you make a run? They look at you, they look down, they look at you and, and the chance is gone to pass that ball. Um, I'm, I'm happy as well because, again, we'll get into Leicester, but I had, no rec- I had no knowledge of what was going on in Leicester at the time. All that was going through my head in the game is, yo... Arsenal, we're the first team to go out. We're the first English team going out and embarrassing ourselves. We've got Brendan Rodgers. I genuinely, I don't feel Arteta would have got sacked if he lost, but I do think for his first time in an as an Arsenal manager, there really would have been a tide turning because I do think as poor as these players are, evidently even in that game, I do think Arteta has you know contributed to his own headache if that makes sense shout out to Pierre Emerick Aubameyang he has scored seven goals in his last eight cup matches for Arsenal um he scored seven in his last eight um nine goals you know he scored in the FA Cup times five he scored three in the Europa and he's got one in the Community Shield only time he felt to hit the back of the net was against Benfica during this run in the first leg um so yeah it's always better when Arsenal win and we can focus on Leicester and I'm sure Leicester are going to want to win after going out of the cup the Europa League with that Leicester are out people I'm sure you all saw Leicester lost yesterday you know crucially again I'm sure Brendan Rodgers isn't happy I've seen him speak and apparently he's disapp- he said this Leicester needed that culture shock for me Leicester weren't clinical enough like they like the team that like the team they played on the night they both had three shots on target, but I look at it, you know, they had way more possession, passing accuracy, played more passes, had more shots. They had 11 to Slavia Prague 7. So this tells me you weren't productive enough, you weren't clinical enough, you didn't take your your own your own chances, people, really and truly. Um, obviously, that 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 Sima guy scored, you know, Abdullah Sima, the 19-year-old. Um, he's been linked with a couple clubs. You know, in the highlights, he looked good. I don't know too much about him, but he's given a good account of himself because he, he scored the, I want to say winner, but, you know, the winner because with his goal in the 79th minute, that made it 2-0. And obviously, obviously if, if Leicester wanted to win, they had to find three goals in 11 minutes in minutes which they were unable to do now i'm sure leicester wanted to go as far as they could in the competition and stuff like that but at the end of the day you know it's probably naive to expect them they've been competing heavily heavily on the league i'm sure they want to better what they did last year in that you know they were good last year for the majority of the season when they hit a point and then they messed it up on the last day so i'm sure that's the priority you know you want to go as far as you want and you could you know i'm sure brendan rogers would love to win silverware as with the players but they lost two nil people and Brendan Rodgers is getting a lot of plaudits in the league and rightly so, you know, especially, you know, he's got his first win against Jurgen Klopp and his first win over Chelsea in recent weeks um, and stuff like that and help Leicester beat Arsenal at the Emirates in the first time in a while or beat Arsenal at all in the first time in a while at that place there. But in terms of Europe, I'm sure there's a lot he could personally learn because he has been eliminated from all five of his Europa League knockout ties as manager people all in the last 32 with Liverpool in 2012-13, in 2014-15 as well, Celtic in 2017-18 and 2018-19, so 2017-18 and the 18-19 season, and obviously Leicester this year. So there's something with what he is or isn't doing, people. Um, you know, obviously, Slavia Prague's first top shot on target, which was their first goal, led to a goal, and it ended... Um, the Foxes, Leicester's run of 234 minutes without conceding a goal in the Europa League. So it is what it is and they go out. Disappointing night. 
Now, if we keep up the theme with English teams, I'm sure Manchester United are disappointed with drawing, saying that, you know, they gave themselves a good cushion in um, based on the first leg. But again, at home, nil-nil, I'm sure you want to put in a performance. You know, I did think there was a lack of general quality in the final third from them. I did think Lindelof had some shaky moments. I think Axel Teixeira, was it Axel? I can't remember, but I think it was him. He's unlucky to have a goal disallowed because of VAR, if I remember rightly. Um, it's a lovely moment for Shola Shola Tayat, Shola Tay, I can never say his name, to come off the bench and become one of the youngest players, if not the youngest player in Man United history to play in such context. Obviously, good to see Diallo um, come on. But I think it was a poor day. Obviously, um, Sociedad missed a penalty. It could have been longer in that regards. But, you know, United's cushion gave them the best. Maybe there was an element of fatigue there. Um Ojiarabal, who is a player I would love at Arsenal and a player who's been doing quite well. Um, he's the first visiting player to fail to score a penalty at Old Trafford against United in the European competition since 2008 for Roma, where De Rossi messed up people. Ultimately, it was a dead game, but Man United got the job done. Side note, people, watching the game, I'm pretty sure Anthony Martial was playing with a lot. He had a love bite on his neck, people. It was, it's irrelevant, but it was killing me. It's like, oh, what was you doing last night? cheeky cheeky but yeah man United did what they needed to do people like I said Shola is at 17 he's the youngest ever player to make an appearance for Man United in a European competition again 17 years of age 23 days old you know it's about where you finish so it's a good platform for the lad man and he what he made his debut officially against Newcastle I know in the previous well in the first leg he was on the bench against Sociedad so he's on the cusp of things so it's what he makes of it um, Ahmad Diallo, I know he's a, 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 a young United player, source from Atlanta, who United fans are dying to see. He actually made more tackles than any other player against Sociedad, considering he's only on the pitch for 34 minutes, uh, 31 minutes, apology, and he made four tackles. I think that tells you everything about the rest of the players, people. But yeah, man, Sociedad didn't really have much around them. They only had one shot on target, really. It was from both teams. It was a bit of a lackluster one, people. Maybe fatigue played a part in that regards um games that i won't be speaking about but just to tell you everything that happened people as you lot know um ix beat um ix beat leo two goals to one to get over the line there napoli defeated granada but granada are through um are through on aggregate on aggregate score lines people forgive me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure that's the that's the case um shatter the next defeated um tel aviv a goal to nil and a through three nil um rangers five antwerp two nine rangers nine antwerp five on paper what an effing game that was arsenal obviously advanced four three on aggregate having won three two molder have defeated yeah molder done a madness against hoffenheim they beat them two nil yesterday and go three five three um salzburg were light work for uno emre's side as they won four one on aggregate and get through one two one yesterday prague beat um, Leicester two goals to nil and that's the aggregate scoreline AC Milan are through on away goals as 10 men Bal um, Red Star Belgrade gave them something to think about I drew a one yesterday Dynamo Kiev have beat um, Club Bruges two goals to nil after winning one nil obviously Man United are through five, four nil apologies on aggregate Roma after winning three one you know are through after you know their aggregate scoreline is five one Leverkusen are out you know, young boys have beat them 6-3 in on aggregate. Olympiacos have taken PSV out 5-4 on aggregate after winning 2-1 yesterday. 
Dynamo Zagreb are through 4-2 on aggregate after beating Krosnodol 1-0 yesterday. Um, so yeah, it is what it is in that regards. They're the games that I haven't spoken on and stuff like that. Spurs, you know, Spurs Spurs won 8-1 on aggregate. They continued where they left off. They It was 4-1 in the last game. It's 4-0 in this game. Deli Ali's best game in the Spurs shirt, I would reckon, for a long time, people. Obviously, he must have seen Giroud a couple of days before score a bicycle. I'm not too sure which one's better. I'm going to be a bit biased and say Giroud's. Um, I know he's an ex-Arsenal man. I hate Chelsea and Spurs equally, but I'd probably side with Chelsea before Spurs say that. I hate them both, but Giroud's an ex-Arsenal man. I do think Giroud had no time to really think about it. I do. I, it's not that Deli had time, but I think... Delhi's poor touch or, or kind of poor touch there has kind of made his mind up. You know, it's a good goal. It's good instinction. I'm not taking nothing away, but I'm saying in comparison, Giroud's one looked like he just had to... Not that Delhi didn't have to react, but it looked like Giroud just had to do something, didn't he? He just had to fashion something and he's able to fashion something. Um, Delhi, it was still similar. It's same logic, but it's like that touch kind of set up for him. There wasn't much he could do with it. But nonetheless, fantastic goal. You know, I wouldn't say better than the goal the, the goal Delhi scored, but I'd say equally as good. You know, the pass for Vecinius to put one on his head and score. To be honest, I, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be disappointed with Vecinius because there was an incident. The ball got cleared off the line by Wolfsburger, but Vecinius should have played someone in and got and, and made it a next goal for Spurs. But he got a good goal. Obviously, Bale scored a firecracker and again, Deli Ali got an assist. So, you know, Deli, I'm sure you've got small... You didn't get your move in January. I'm sure you've got small hopes of getting back into the team consistently and, and probably going to the Euros. And this is the step in the right direction. If we're real, it's only against Wolfsburg or a team that Spurs have been wiping the floor with. But you can only play what's in front of you. Good performance from, from Deli Ali. You know, Vecinius, cup competition is his and he, he's been showing for Spurs that he can score. He got a brace, probably should have had a hat-trick. Um, Bale scored a good goal and Deli set him up. So, yeah, man. Four four goals, three goals in the second half. It is what it is. I did think Wolfsburg had a bit more about them in this leg than, than the last one. And I know they didn't score, but it is what it is, man. And I'm sure Spurs fans are hoping that, I'd say definitely for Bale, maybe for Deli Alli, that they've played their way into Jose's thinking for the game this weekend. Obviously, it was lovely for young Dane Scarlett to technically get an assist, a 16-year-old. And for me, Niall John, a player I've been speaking about for a couple of years, you know, he came off the bench and he made his little debut and I got a lot of friends that support Spurs and they're saying they like him. They say, you know, one of my first friends has said from seeing not that they play the same way and not that he knows. But he said, you know, now John has shown me that Sissoko's days are numbered. So nice to see the young bulls them get some debuts and things like that. Gareth Bale's goal was just his third as a substitute people in major UA for competition with the other two coming in. Um, the 2018 Champions League final for Real Madrid. Jose Mourinho has seen one of his sides score at least eight goals across a major European knockout tie for the first time since his Real Madrid days. If you lot remember, his Real Madrid team beat Applewell 8-2 on aggregate in the quarterfinals of the 2011-12 edition of the Champions League. Um, at age 16 years of age and 337 days, people, so it's his birthday soon, his 17th birthday soon, I'm sure De Dane Scarlett is thinking about getting his driver's license and all those sort of things but he's the first 16 year old to assist a Europa League goal people since Kylian Mbappe in 2015 for Monaco against Spurs 
Bloody hell, forget how young De- De- Mbappe is, you know. My word, I can't, I, I completely, completely forgot he was a youth them times. What a phenomenon. But it's it's funny how things work. And Dane Scarlett, I think he could be a star for Spurs, isn't it? You know, Jose said he'll get more game time next year and stuff. He'll be 17 with a bit more experience. I think he's a player, in it. I was enjoying poking fun at Spurs. You know, we've got Saka and these a lot. Chelsea got their players. United got theirs, you know. All Spurs had was OFB rappers at one point and, 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 and them sort of players there. And now they've actually got a couple decent ones in Now John and Dane Scarlett. And I'm, wish, I'm wishing them the best because I, I really like Dane Scarlett and Now John. But not too well because you play for the scum. But away from that dull people, Deli Ali strike was Tottenham's 11th goal coming in the opening 10 minutes of a game in all comps this season. They have scored more such goals than any other Premier League side. Carlos Vecinius is the first player to score in four consecutive European appearances, excluding qualifiers for Spurs, um, since a certain other striker in November 2013. Another quiz, people. You know, another quiz. Another quiz. You know, I'll give you a clue. He done the robot. Trick question. I lied, people. I threw a grenade. That is not the right answer. He did not do the robot and he was significantly shorter. It's actually Jermaine Defoe. Thought I could get you lot there, people. You lot are failing the quiz, but yeah, business as usual where Spurs are concerned in that regards, people. If we move away from the from, from Spurs, though, and we talk about the Premier League, you know, like I said, the Champions League is it's a madness. You know, from the themes I would say the Champions League is athletic, a bit overrated for me as an outsider. Real Madrid Madrid need a massive rebuild. City are blitzing sides. You know, what other themes would I say they were? Chelsea is going well under two cool. You know, as long as you're in the competition, you have half a chance, really and truly, people. Now, I'm sure a lot of you people have been aware of, you know, the Premier League or the Premier League games to come. I'm sure you all saw this week. Um, you know, Leeds ran riot on Southampton and 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 won three nil. You know, you've got a big up Rafinha. You know, seems to be a name on everyone's lips. The Leeds Brazilian winger, quite a baller. Um, you know, he, you know, it was it was quite the second half, really and truly, because Bamford scored in the forty seventh, Dallas got one in the seventy eighth, and Rafinha scored in the eighty fourth to succumb Southampton to another defeat. And you know, three nil, clean sheet, three points. And I think Southampton, they were getting a lot load of plaudits, and Hassan Hutter was seen as the Messiah a few weeks ago, and they just can't buy a win at this moment in time, people. Away from that, though, when you move away from that a big game for me to kick off the Premier League would be West Ham against Manchester City Manchester City against West Ham West Ham travelled to the Etihad it's first versus fourth 45 points against 59 points again if you're Chelsea you're hoping that City do you a job because you can move above West Ham if things go your way you know Liverpool you can't go above West Ham you know at best you could be two points off them if they get a defeat the same goes for Everton while Arsenal have 34 points, Leeds got 35, Spurs have 36, Villa have 36. So again, you know, you just have to hope other teams can can drop points and try and move up. And to be fair with you, I'm ho- I'm pretty sure Chelsea, United and the rest of them are hoping Arsenal could do them a favour with Leicester. Just based on Arsenal are 11th, Leicester are complicating things in the top four. As you can see, from 11th place to second, there isn't too much. You know, there isn't too much. So it's down to you, but there's been 25 games played. Like I said, West Ham sit fourth, 
They're nine points clear of Spurs. They're 11 points clear of Arsenal entering this weekend. David Moyes, well, well deservedly so, has been earning, earning a lot of plaudits. As have Manchester City. They're two of the best performing teams in the league. You could arguably say they are the two best performing teams in the league at the moment. I know Leicester might have something to say. To a degree, Everton might have something to say. Um, but you get the point, people. So that's going to be an interesting one. That's going to be a very, in, very, very interesting clash for me, people. And I'm keen to see what happens in that regards, people. Because when you look at it, City are unbeaten in their last 10 people in the Premier League with West Ham. The last time they lost was 2015. These runs got to stop sometime, I'm sure. West Ham are looking to avoid defeat in both league meetings with Manchester City in a Premier League campaign for the first time since 2015-16, people. Um, Man City have conceded just three goals in 15 home games in all comps since they lost 5-2 to, to Leicester earlier on in the season, people. Um, and when you look at it, like I said, two of the best performing teams because only Manchester City with 33 have won more Premier League points so far in 2021 than West Ham people. West Ham have won seven of their nine league games this calendar year, people. You know, they didn't reach their seventh win until until their 23rd match in 2020. So that shows you how much they've turned a corner. When you look at it, people, West Ham have won just two of their last 23 Premier League away games against the league leaders, people. So to be to, to be fair with you, they did it in 2015 and they did it in 2007 against Man United. So who knows? You've got West Brom versus Brighton and you've heard Big Sam. Big Sam has been critical of the fact that the Premier League have made them play next Thursday against Everton and then 48 hours they're in action um he's been critical of them but he's basically told the players it's up to you lot i can only give you lot the tools you know there will be wage cuts some of you will have to leave the club not all of you will get premier league moves it's real and for sam allardyce you know his reputation of being mr 40 points being mr fix it mr stay in the division is firmly up for grabs right now this is if he does this this will be his hardest you know, this would be his greatest feat for me. So I'm keen to see what happens in the West Brom versus Brighton game. As you know, our boy Maitland-Niles will be playing. Um, West Brom have never lost in 10 previous home games with Brighton. You know, Brighton have only won one of their 11 top flight meetings with West Brom. Last time it came in 2017. West Brom are winless in their last seven Premier League games. Although I do think against Burnley, fair enough. You know, they were down to 10 men. I think that, that, that was a better performance. So you'd imagine the results are going to happen, people. Um... So we'll have to see what happens in that regard. You've got Leeds against Aston Villa. I'm sure that's one for the FPL team. You know, I'm not too sure if Grealish will be back. Bielsa versus Dean Smith. That's bound to be a good one. That's at 5.30 tomorrow. You know, 8th versus 10th. That's a game that Arsenal, again, we're probably hoping people, somebody takes points. You know, hopefully Villa can do... do Villa. In fact, either one, really. You know, you're looking to benefit from there, really. You're hoping for a draw, really, and hoping for us to win. You've got Wolves against Newcastle. Both teams need to buy a win. Newcastle are steady jumping into the relegation zone. So I'm keen to see what they have offer. You got Crystal Palace against Fulham. That's a North, you know, I mean, that's a London derby. Spurs play Burnley. You know, you've got Leicester City against Arsenal. I'm scared, people, as I would be, you know. If you asked me 10 years ago, what would the bigger game, bigger team in this game be, you know? And now I don't know, you know, if I'm a player worth my weight in gold, I'm only signing for Arsenal via the, for the historical ties and things like that. In terms of a forward thinking club with more togetherness and more collective direction. It's Leicester. The owners get it. Brendan Rodgers is doing his thing. Their players are doing their thing. Arsenal can't say the same. Absolutely scared to play Leicester because just the last couple of... Every time we play Leicester, it's never a straight 
straightforward conclusion for any team is filled with drama and I don't see that changing. We've got a little bit of momentum just by coming from behind to beat Benfica but we're going to need to put in a performance and you know the Harvey Barnes, the Madison, people like this, I'm sure they want to be putting in performances and stuff, you know. Games like this, you have to show what you can do and you go off to the Euros. So I'm absolutely shook, people. We'll have to see what happens. The biggest game of the week is obviously Chelsea against Manchester United. I don't know who takes that. It's a big test for Tuchel. It's a big test for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's very difficult to read who could win that. Chelsea are the home team. So maybe Marcus Rashford's going to score at Stamford Bridge. You've got Sheffield United against Liverpool. Sheffield United are gone. Liverpool, if you lose, there's question marks. On Monday, so again, the next edition of the DG, the Deluded Podcast, will be on Tuesday. You've got Everton against Southampton, people. That's due to be a good one. Carlo Ancelotti's team have found form again. Hassan Hortu was earning a lot of plaudits. They've gone quiet now, really and truly. They've been getting battered. So it's an interesting week in terms of Premier League games to come, people. We'll have to see what happens in that regards. The games I'm watching or, or paying keen attention to, I think Leicester versus Arsenal is going to be a very good game. We're all going to watch Manchester City, Manchester City versus West Ham. I think that's a good game. And the big ones, obviously, United versus Chelsea, Chelsea versus United, really. Um, moving away and getting into other news, people. Apparently, conversations are being held about the Premier League moving the 37th round of fixtures back to midweek so fans can attend, the Athletic can reveal. On Monday, as you know, the government announced that up to 10,000 supporters would be able to return to stadiums from the 17th of May, which would see them in for the final round of games. However, apparently there are concerns that um, it could damage sporting integrity of the league. Um, apparently, you know, there's talks about the penultimate weekend of games could now be moved to midweek after the pre after the government's target return date of the 17th. So we'll have to see, man. We just fans deserve to be back in the game, man. It's been interesting seeing football without the fans. I'd also like I'd also like to say as well, people, um, commiserations, um, condolences. To Liverpool goalkeeper Alisson, I'm sure you've all seen over the week, sadly his dad tragically died after drowning near his home after I believe taking um, taking a swim near a lake in Brazil. Now apparently, you know, it's due to just being suspected as an accident, not anything more sinister than that, um, you know. It's a tough season for Alisson, for Liverpool, but football doesn't matter when you've lost your father. And I know Alisson's a very religious man. You all see, you know, he goes church with Firmino and that. So I'm I'm sure, you know, his faith is strong and he'll find, not not to heal his pain, but he'll be able to keep going, you know, have deep conversations with God and things. But it's upsetting, you know. Obviously, today in this day and age, people are losing family members anyways, losing family members due to COVID. So... To see someone who's 57 years of age, his dad, you know, it's sad, man, because this is the end of the day. This is who he's playing football for, his mum and dad and his family and obviously himself. And it's sad, man. It's sad that, you know, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad that he'll never, his, his son, and, you know, his dad will always be watching him. He's, he's looking from above, but he'll never be able to have his dad in the stadium. And again, I don't know his relationship with his dad, but he struck me as someone who's quite close. So his heart's probably broken and... One has to wonder the mental state, man. Like, uh, can he is he even in the right frame of mind to play against Sheffield United? Because on one hand, football gives you the biggest escape. Like, I've been through situations where, you know, I've lost people and family members, and things have been going on, and I've been had Sunday league games, and really and truly for that training session, that power league session, that 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 eleven aside, it's been the best period because all that's mattered is playing with my teammates and scoring goals. But at the same time. 
stuff like this just plays on your mind and you just got you'll never be able to train and play with the same intensity until you're able to heal it's sad people but for what it's worth pardon me apparently media in brazil have reported that jose becker 57 drowned in a lake near his holiday home in the city of lavras do sol forgive me for mispronunciation local police confirmed a man's body was found on wednesday night jose had been swimming at a dam on his property on wednesday afternoon when the accident happened the accident occurred at around 5 p.m on wednesday apparently no foul play has been suspected so yeah man sending peace and love to to allison and 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 people involved in such moving away from that Thierry Henry who was linked with Bournemouth and he didn't get it in the end as Jonathan Woodgate will remain the gaffer until the end of the season apparently he is stepping down as manager of CF Montreal um, as their head coach for, for family reasons people um, a statement on Thursday said due to the worldwide pandemic I was unable to see my children um, unfortunately due to ongoing restrictions and the fact that we have to relocate to the US again for several months it will be no different the separation is too much of a strain for me and my kids. So fair play. He does what it is, people. He, Thierry Henry, 43 years of age, only spent a single season at Montreal after taking over in 2020. He took the team to the playoffs for the first time since 2000, 2016. And obviously they made they they made they made the CONCACAF Champions League. So it is what it is in that regards, people. Now, there's a lot of talk about European Super Leagues and whatnot. And the managing director of such, Jacques Stuart, he has said that European leagues won't compromise over the over the proposed extension of the Champions League. So if it's not an extended Champions League, it's a Super League. Either way, it's just more money spin te te technicals. Um, as we all know, people, it would go from 32 teams to 36. And I think this tells you everything they care about, people. He said... He said keeping the same number of matches would be ideal, but um, he went on to concede that there is no there is a need for expansion in a global market, just not as drastically as UEFA proposes. He would like to see. He said we would like to see the number of ten matches reduced, and we want to be realistic. We want to be reasonable and decent. And obviously, ten games in the Champions League is complicated because let's just say you win. You're, you're the first. Let's just say you're the first. You're the first winner of the Champions League. Before, you're the last winner, sorry, of the Champions League before it changes. Yeah. So you've got your own league, yeah? you got you got whether you, you're in Germany, France, wherever, yeah? Let's just say I'm Arsenal. We've won the Premier League now, yeah? Cool. We've The next season, we wanna, we're want we going to be in the Champions League. So we're going to be in this extended Champions League where potentially there's 10 games, right? You've then got your own domestic league, people, which we all know is 38 games. Then you've got the FA Cup, you know? You've got the FA Cup. You've got the Carling Cup. You've got things of those natures. And obviously, if you win the Champions League, you're in the World Club Cup. This is going to stretch teams even more. Again, it's all fun and games because there's more venues, there's more meat, there's more opportunities to make money for this. For this, But this is tre treating football like, footballers like guinea pigs, you know. This is just going to make people stockpile squad squads and have bigger squads for things like this, people. And it's ridiculous. He said, we understand the need for from the biggest teams in UEFA to increase the number of matches, but let them reduce the increase from eight from 10 to 8. Or let's only increase by two match days instead of four match days. Altogether, our proposal would foresee would not foresee to add a hundred matches and not to add four match days, but to add two matches and sixty-four matches into the system. So again, sixty-four more opportunities to earn money. Now we're getting to the end of this podcast, people, and to close up, I've I've started to introduce it in case you missed it series, which is just me little short bits of information in case you've little missed it. Now 
I don't know the details and it's one for me to do research, but today I was looking online and it just said um, UEFA are investigating after Ibrahimovic was racially abused um, in a recent game, I believe. So again, I need to do more research, but again, we all know UEFA aren't going to do anything with that. Um, I mentioned Jamal Musiala at the start of this podcast. He has chosen to play for Germany over England, people, Um, you know. So congratulations to Germany. You've got a terrific talent on your hands. Apparently, football lawmakers will discuss further changes to the handball law next week in a bid to ensure it is more consistently applied around the world. Now, as we know, specific to the sport we love in football, VAR and the implementation of how VAR is acting for handballs ain't making no sense. But it's really the interpretation of the law and every week they're changing it. IFAB, who is the organisation body, has accepted the referee's interpretation of handball incidences has, quote, has not always been consistent, quote, and will consider a further and will consider further clarification at an annual general meeting on the 5th of March so next week. Um, apparently, IFAB introduced clarifications to the handball law last season and under under law 12, the wording was tightened to note it is an offence if a player scores in the opponent's goal directly from their hand or arm, even if anti- accidental, including by the goalkeeper. Fair play. Um, UA- the UEFA Under-19s Championship has been cancelled for a second year in a row due to COVID. I'm upset because I can't find any players of tomorrow in that regards, people. And finally, I spoke about Jamal Musiala. Um, changing countries but the biggest news is the biggest one of the best players in the Premier League if not the best player now is choosing to is apparently set to switch his allegiance from England to Jamaica in a bid to play at the 2022 World Cup now I don't know if Jamaica are going to make that but I I can get behind it Mikel Antonio apparently is switching it up apparently Jamaica have reached out to him and he's going to do it He's only doing it because he ain't going to get in the, into the England team. There's a whole bunch of things. But I'm not going to complain, you know. I don't think we're getting to 2022 World Cup, but let's do this. And just like I said, Mikel Antonio is the best striker in the Premier League, in my opinion. Same way Wes Morgan is the best in best centre-half. I would love to see it, you know. Antonio up front, Leon Bailey on the right, you know. Bobby Six, Bobby Reed on the left or something like that. Ravel Morrison behind them, you know. More, um... Uh, Wes Morgan, Mariapa, Hector, you know, all of these sort of guys. Hey, we must come back a now Ranger as well, because we must can put Antonio on the flanks and bring through now Ranger. Now Ranger, you must be a yard man. You know, we need to do what England are doing. You know, we need to go and uh, I mean, what Nigeria did and sweeping up everyone. You know, I'm I'm on this dream chasing thing. We might as well even dream chase for Emil Smith Rowe, really and truly, man. Right as well. But yeah, man, you know, that's that's it in relation to the in case you missed it stuff, people. We've spoken about the Premier League. We've touched on the Europa League as well. UEFA, Champions League, Premier League, couple general talking points, bish bash boss. And you, before you know it, the hour's done. So it's been a fantastic podcast, people. I really enjoy doing the Deluded podcast with you because we talk about football with a different approach and stuff like that. Next edition will be on Tuesday because, as I said throughout this, you know, it's Everton versus Southampton. So make sure you're making either a mental note or you're following me on Apple and Spotify and the rest of the streaming devices so that you don't miss an episode. You know I do this YouTube stuff. So make sure you're subscribed across YouTube, Deluded Guna 04. You already know about all the other socials, Deluded Guna 04 and everything from Instagram to Twitter. The only exceptions are my Snapchat, which is Guna 04 and also twitch 
Deludaguna187. I'm going to get some Twitch streaming content going very soon. So make sure you're supporting all of the things. If you're going to do nothing more, make sure you follow me on Clubhouse, Deludaguna04. And you're using that same logic to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. God bless people. I'll be back, obviously, on Tuesday to review the Premier League action, preview the Premier League action if there's any in midweek, and talk about the Champions League and any other talking points that arrive between now and then. So on that note, people deluded i'm out it's been a fantastic podcast stay safe and i'll see you again please check out my youtube obviously if you follow me on youtube leicester versus arsenal live watch along on sunday so keep away out a, a check out for that i've had enough of cheekily plugging all of my stuff so i'm gonna get out of here god bless you all listening to this stay safe dg i'm out it's been a fantastic pod stay blessed people boom blast i'm out